Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. This is the last uh, message in the series we've been in called Moving Forward. And we've talked about moving forward with great purpose to live for, great passion to live effectively, with great principles to live by, with great people to live with. And we've been closing out with uh, moving forward with a great power to live on. Last week, we began talking about the Holy Spirit. I want to finish off today in part two. And in fact, throughout the coming year and and the rest of 2021 and and 2022, certainly, we'll be coming back to these points because I really believe this is God's vision for us right now is to be moving forward in these areas in our life. Now, last week we talked, I mentioned how I um, was kind of struggling with like, what is the outline for this Holy Spirit message? Because it's deep, it's vast, and I'm, I'm not. So I said, God, would you just kind of give me a simple outline? And, and so the first word that came to my head, do you remember what it was? The word empty. Because we are born empty. We are empty. And that kind of lined into the second word, uh, fill was the second word, because we are trying to fill the emptiness we feel. And that's where the trouble begins for, for, for all of us. We try to fill our life with things that don't last, that cannot sustain us and help us. In fact, um, you know, we try to medicate sometimes the pain of emptiness. And we're going to be looking later at Ephesians 5.18 today, where it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the truth is, we you know fill our lives. We try to medicate emptiness in, in various ways, not just uh, with with alcohol, but certainly with cannabis. If you look at all the stores around, at least where I live, there's cannabis stores all over the place. Or uh, sometimes we try to fill that emptiness with romance and uh, prescription drugs or something to say I'm hurting, I'm empty, and I need something to fill my life. And we 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 grasp at these things, but they don't last. We know that the only thing that can sustain us that is, is our relationship with Christ and Him filling us. And we know through the Abide series we did a number of months ago, in John 15, 5, 6, Jesus says, yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. That establishes a relationship. He is the vine, we are the branches. He feeds us. And it said, He says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. That's what we want. We don't want emptiness. We don't want to be void. We don't want to be fruitless. We want to be fruitful. And Jesus says, for apart from me, you can't do anything. Not, it's not, he didn't say you can't do some things or a lot of things. You, you can't do nothing, he says. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless, useless branch and withers. And such branches are gathered into uh, a pile to be burned. So we need, we're, we were created to be in this relationship with God through Christ, to be filled with his presence. And unless we are, we are going to feel empty. We're going to be grasping at things to try to make us feel like we're full. And they just, they just don't work. I bet most of you, well, I'm not a betting man, but also I believe most of you uh, could recite for me the very first line of Psalm 23, couldn't you? Do you know it from memory? A lot of us know the King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, the New Living Translation, which is a little more in, in the way that we speak today, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. See, that was David's testimony back in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I'm in a relationship with him. He guides me, he leads me. You know what? As a result, I have all that I need. 
And I wonder today if that could be your testimony. Is that your testimony? The Lord is my shepherd. I'm in relationship with him. He is the one who fills me. And guess what? I have all that I need. I'm not trying to fill emptiness in my life anymore with things that just don't last, don't work. Well, we saw last week how the Bible often likens our life to that of being jars of clay. And and, and I like that because jars of, of clay are created uh, by a master. And certainly we are created by, you know, by God. He took us and molded us and, and, and forms us. And, and we are, you know, created to be filled like jars of, you know, clay. Uh, these clay jars aren't just meant to be decorations and fancy on the outside. They were very practical. They were designed to be, to, to contain something, to be filled with something. And they're very ordinary. They were very common, just like we are. And we saw last week, we began reading our text, which says, this about us. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile jars of clay containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to this despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Now that verse begins saying these two words, we now. In other words, there was a time we didn't have this fullness. We didn't have this relationship with God. There was a time when, when we were empty, but we now have this light shining in our hearts. In other words, God is now present. You know, there was a before and now there's a presence where God is with us. There was a void, but now that we have, and there was a darkness and there was an emptiness, but God fills that with his light. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile car, uh, j- jars containing this great treasure. We are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What a contrast. We are these fragile jars of clay. We are easily can be broken. We're, we're very common. And yet this common ordinary me can contain this great treasure, this great light, this great power of God. That's a wonderful contrast. And it, the verse reminds us where this power comes from. This makes it clear. The Bible says that our great power is from God, not ourselves. So, you know, we, we, we understand that this power we have within us, this presence is not because of who we are. It's not, it's not from us. So we cannot boast. We can only say that we are fragile. We are common. We're ordinary, but we have this confidence and assurance because we now have this power of God, his presence dwelling and filling our lives. Now that was last week. I want to continue with the rest of this text today. And this is going to tell us why it's important for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There are benefits that, that, that you and I can have as Christians filled with God's Holy Spirit that others will never and cannot have unless they, they make that decision and, and surrender before God. So here's number one. God's Holy Spirit sustains us in times of trouble. Because our text says, the part we're looking at today, we are pressed on every side by troubles but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. You know, the very first two words of all of those sentences are, are this. We are. Like, this is who we are. This is, this is reality. This is the present we live in. We are pressed by troubles. We are perplexed. We are feel abandoned and persecuted. We we feel we are knocked down at times. And as Christians, we experience the same adverse conditions living in a broken world that anyone else feels. We suddenly don't become Christians and, and get a you know a vaccine to say now you're immune from the troubles of this world. We are just as fragile, 
Uh, our bodies, our lives are just as fragile as anyone. We don't suddenly become men and women of steel and leap buildings at, in, in, in a single bound when we come to Christ. But we have confidence and an assurance that even though the world presses in on us and, and, and that, that, that we have troubles and we, and we, we understand the, the consequences of living in a world with sin, we're not broken because we ourselves are like fragile jars of clay. Yeah, I get that. Containing this great treasure. That's what makes the difference. So God's Holy Spirit sustains us in times of trouble. I can tell you there are times I've looked at someone's life, a Christian's life, going through a horrible time. And I said, I could never do that. How do you do that? And they just say, you know, the truth is that, that God's given me the grace and the power to do this. And then I, and when I went through troubles, when I went through dark times and difficult times because of, uh, you know, the consequences of sin in the world, uh, people looked at me and said, how do you do that? And I said, you know, it's true. God gives you the grace and, and, and the sustainability to get through because he can do it. I couldn't do it, but I had this great treasure within me to help sustain me in times of trouble. The second reason why you want God's Holy Spirit filling you, and this one might surprise you, but God's Holy Spirit gives you the assurance of heaven. Something we all want, right? I, I want to tell you how, why this is so important. Um, when, when we have the Holy Spirit at work in us, we are, when He's present in us and filling us, it will give us the assurance of God's promise that He'll take us to live with Him in heaven forever. Why is that? Well, let me explain. Um, when you are ready to buy a house, you make an offer, right? You've done that. You tell the house owner you're willing to pay a certain price for their house. However, it's not enough for you just to give the house owner a verbal agreement. You know, I'll close this deal. I'm, my word is good. Uh, I, but no, we, that doesn't work anymore. As, as a, as a pledge of your seriousness, that of your intention to, to actually, uh, buy this house for this price, you attach an advance payment with the offer. And, you know, it's not a large amount, uh, maybe a couple thousand dollars, but it's enough to let the owner know that you are serious with this offer, that you want to fulfill this, that you intend to buy this place if we agree uh, that this is the amount that, um, that, that I would pay and you would be willing to receive. Now, the practice of making an advance, an advance payment is very old. It's a very old practice, which goes uh, back as long as people have been doing business. In fact, the ancient Greeks had a word for it, Erebon. And you can still read it. You can read in ancient Greek manuscripts and libraries and, and museums, uh, you know, the, how an Arabom was part of the purchase price for any article or commodity, uh, that, that someone was pledging to buy. The price, you know, that they say, I'll give you this, this advance payment with a promise that I will pay in full. That's Arabom. Now, why is that important for you and I today? Because the Bible uses the very same word, Arabom, in the book of Ephesians to describe the Holy Spirit and part of its role in our life. Ephesians 1.14 says this, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. I mean, that is such exciting news. I read different versions of the Bible to see what it said. You know, the New Life version says this, the Holy Spirit was given to us as a promise that we will receive everything 
God has for us. God's spirit will be with us, what with this, this doubt, this Aragon, until God finishes his work of making us complete. God does this to show his shining greatness. The New English Version says, we, the Holy Spirit, is a down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. The uh, Gagne, I mean, the Amplified Version, <laughs> I know David Isbell loved this version. The Spirit is the guarantee, the first installment, the pledge. It's a foretaste of our inheritance. That is so meaningful. And, and I tell you, we need that. I need that. I need to have that, that possession, that down payment of the Holy Spirit to know what is to come. It is his God's serious intention of this is what's going to come. This is how I'm going to fully, what I'm going to fully give you. You can experience a portion of that now. So it's important that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. We find assurance. We find power to live in a broken world when we have God living Fully enough. So, you know, I said that God gave me three ideas and the first one was empty and we talked about that. The second was, was filled and we've been talking about that. The third thing God impressed upon me was this. And it's a phrase. Keep on, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't something just happened in my life back when I was 14 years old. It's something I must be at work at all the time. That I'm keep on, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, which we looked at earlier, said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And we know that that when we're empty, we try to fill our lives with many things that will ruin our life. They do not sustain us. They don't have the power to, to complete us and to fill us. Instead, the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which who does sustain us, who does give us the power and the down payment to, to guarantee our inheritance. And I'm not a grammar person. Believe me, I ain't. <laughs> but various Greek scholars and Bible commentators point out that the Greek present imperative tense used in this verse in Ephesians 5.18, it, it suggests, it, it talks about this is the filling of the Holy Spirit as being a continuous replenishment. It's on, it's an ongoing state of being filled. It's been suggested by some that, you know, an awkward but accurate translation would sound something like this. Go on being filled. I mean, don't stop. Go on being filled or keep on, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is, is, is in every believer. We, we mentioned that when you come to Christ, he gives you that deposit, the Aragon. He is present in your life. But here's the problem. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. We don't give him control and full, uh, 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 permission to fully can work in our lives. And, and the Bible talks about that. It says the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer, but we, it can be, he can be grieved. Now we can be grieved that in Ephesians 430, 4.30 says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So, you know, why grieve that? Why not allow, you know, and why sorrow God's Holy Spirit by keeping him at arm's length in our life, not allowing him to fill and be part and have control of every part of our life. The Holy Spirit, we can also stifle him. You know, First Thessalonians 5.19 simply says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. When we allow that to happen, we, when we do not experience the fullness of God's Spirit and power in us, we, we stifle him. We keep him at a, a bay. Because to, to be filled with the, the Holy Spirit implies that he has freedom, permission 
to fill every part of our life, every empty part of our life, to have control, to guide us, and, and, and His power can be exerted through us so that we can be fully fruitful. We can abide in Jesus. He abides in us. He lives in us, and we can be fruitful. We don't want to stifle that. We don't want to grieve that presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, some of you remember, I spoke on this once before, and, and to illustrate this, I, I remember I came out in front of the congregation and I held a um, glass of water, a, a glass full of water. Do you remember that? And I asked someone from the congregation to come up and put both their arms and hands on my arm. And I said, now, as hard as you can, I want you to shake my arm. And as they shook my arm, guess what? We got wet. I got wet. They got wet. The front row probably got wet. And I asked the question, why? Why, when, when my arm was shaking, did everybody get wet? And people would first say, well, because they shook your arm. Well, no, I said, when my arm was shaking, why did we get wet? And the reason is because the cup is full of water and it was shaken. That's what came out. That's what got on me and got on them and got on some of the people in the church. We got wet. And the trouble, the thing is, we will be shaken. We are shaken, right? We are pressed on every side by troubles. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We're knocked down. And the question is, well, what comes out? What do people experience from us when we're shaken? Well, what is ever in our cup? Whatever we're filled with comes out and affects the lives of those all around us. So it's important, you know, Galatians 5 tells us that we can, you know, what, what is in us or what's not in us. We can tell uh, when someone's filled with the Holy Spirit or not filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is not at work, listen to what Galatians 5 says, the results are very clear when they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. When they're perplexed, when they're troubled, when they're shaken, this, was, this is what happens. This is the result. They, 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 what comes out is sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, right? Adultery, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, you know, and I hate these things in the church, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's what happens when a life is not controlled by the Holy Spirit is shaken, then it is controlled by these things we try to medicate with, and that's what comes out, and that's what, it ruins our lives. It can ruin the lives of others. When the Holy Spirit is at work and is at filling our life, this is what comes out according to Galatians 5, 22, 23. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. We're shaken. And what happens? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't be drunk with wine or with any other thing you try to medicate your life because that will ruin your life. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Uh, someone in our church was talking to me about how at work it's been very stressful, right? And they're at a place where people come to them uh, in the workplace. And this one lady was coming this week and very stressed out. And, and this person from our church just said, you know, I just, I'm, not, I'm praying, I've been praying God's peace over you. And when that person heard that, they went, ah, I said, thank you. And they know this person's uh, from our church is a believer. And, and they said, I'm praying peace over you. Even though the workplace is being sh shaken, that's what came out. And it affected this other coworker. In fact, later, uh, they told me they saw this coworker who they've been praying peace over down the hallway. And they're going, ah, 
Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a wonderful thing? I love um, getting cards of encouragement from you this this month and Pastor's Appreciation Month. And, you know, I, and I also appreciate when you say, you know, that's a good sermon or that was a good message. I, I, no, I, 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 I like that. But what really matters to me is this. How is it changing your life? You know, it, it, you know, I sure like to be interesting and entertaining or, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, keeps your attention. But really, when it comes down to a good message is this, how is it affecting you? How is it changing you? So if you're in a, in a life group somewhere or you are um, in a Bible study or you're hearing a message, you know, the, the measure of how good um, the sermon or study is, is how is it changing me? And, you know, I know sometimes I've listened to a good message and, I, and I'm tempted to go, well, that's good for that person or that person needs to hear that. No, God's wanting to know how this is, how do you need to apply? How do you need to react and respond to this message? There are probably areas in my life where I got to go, God, you, you know, your Holy Spirit wants to take control here and here and here. So one of the cards I got this week really encouraged me. They, they wrote a note and said, talking about the messages that even during COVID, they've learned to be positive. And, um, and, and they said, I know this helps with the people who live in my building because many, you know, they're like all of us being pressed and perplexed and troubled and they're very negative and they're very lonely. And this person said, I never thought I was good at witnessing, right? Most of us feel that way, but they had an opportunity to witness and people are looking at them and, and they're saying, why aren't you worried and worked up? And why can you smile? And their, their answer to their friends and the people in the building was, it's because of God. It's God at work in my life. I'm a fragile jar of clay, right? But I have this treasure. And you should know, you got to know this treasure. I thought that was so good and so good to hear. Because being drunk with wine or medicating our life with anything but God will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So why, why don't people want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What, what prevents them from wanting to give the Holy Spirit control? We went away as a, on a staff retreat a few weeks ago, and I told them, I told our staff, this is what I'm going to be speaking on, and this is the subject. And I, and I said, and I asked them, well, what are some of the reasons that, that we are fearful of the Holy Spirit filling us and having control in our lives? And, and so we came up with some, some thoughts. We said, well, maybe we don't feel worthy of this. Uh, maybe it's because of pride. You know, I don't want Holy Spirit to, you know, take over and, and you know, and, and I can handle this. I can do this. Maybe it's because we're afraid of being fanatical. You know, we all see or hear stories of people going kind of uh, what we think is off the deep end and, and we're, we don't want to lose control. We don't want to, we're afraid of that happening to us. So we, we hold on to a lot of us being in control, not letting God to, to fill us. Or maybe it's because you just don't know. There's no knowledge or teaching. One person said, I grew up in a church not hearing about the Holy Spirit. I didn't have no idea that I was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember uh, in one church, we had a custodian named Marv. And Marv had grown up in the church I was pastoring, but he had drifted away. He was the prodigal. He was probably in his 60s. And he was a custodian, and he worked at night because he didn't want to really be around uh, people. He was very much a loner. He he had struggled with uh, alcohol. He, he chose to be filled with alcohol, and it ruined his marriage and ruined his financial life. It did exactly what the Bible said. And I'd often come in early. Uh, and, you know, to, to the church before seven, just as he's ending his night shift. And, and I say, Marv, you know, how you doing? And why don't you come to church? You know, the people here, you grew up in this church. Why don't you come to church? And Marv always had a reason or an excuse. And I really felt at the core of it, he didn't feel worthy. 
And he would have these excuses. And, and I said, well, Marv, you're welcome anytime. And one day I came in and I said, Marv, again, why don't you come to church this Sunday? And Marv started giving me excuses. And I tell you, out of love, I just start reasoning those excuses away when he realized, okay, that's not an excuse. And he gave me another excuse. And I say, well, but, and he goes, okay, yeah, that's not an excuse. And another one. And I just quietly and lovingly just removed those excuses from him to where he came down to one more reason. And he said, I have nothing to wear. I only have jeans. And you got to understand, this was a very formal church. He grew up and he knew it. Very proper church. I had to wear a suit and tie every Sunday there if I showed up with anything less than that. And Marv only had jeans to wear and he knew that he had, he, you know, he needed to dress up, felt he had to dress up to come to this church where people knew him. And I said, Marv, I'll tell you what, if you come to church in your jeans this Sunday, I'll wear my jeans too. And the look of Horner's face and you, he said, you would do that? You would do that for me. I said, Marv, I'll do that. I'll show up in jeans. You're the pastor. He goes, yeah, I will be there in jeans if you come in jeans. And he goes, well, if you're going to come in jeans, I'll come in jeans, he said. I was so excited. So later in the day, I called up. His sister attended the church and her husband. And I called her up and said, guess what? Marv is coming to church this Sunday. And she went, what? I can't believe it. How did you ever get him to come? I said, I told her. I said, he had nothing to wear. He only had jeans. I said, well, I'm going to wear jeans Sunday. So if I, you know, if I wear jeans, would you come? And he goes, yes. And she was so excited. And well, Sunday came and I was so scared. <laughs> I'm sitting in my office at the church in my jeans on Sunday morning. And, you know, understand my office was uh, on one side of this large lobby, this large foyer that led to the sanctuary. And, and I knew I'd have to do this walk of shame through this, this foyer where all the people were talking and gathering in their suits and dresses and ladies with their big hair, uh, ready to go to church. And, and I was so, I can't tell how afraid I was. I sat there praying and working up the nerves to step out of my office, go through that foyer wearing jeans that day. But I knew this was important. I had told Marv I would do this. And so I eventually worked out the nerve about, you know, six minutes to, to before the service started, opened up my office door, start walking through the foyer. And you know what I saw? I saw a church full of people wearing jeans. I went, wow, what, like, what's going on? Like the people who wear dresses and suits and ties are there in jeans. And, and what happened was when I called uh, Marv's sister who attends our church, she told her husband and her husband got on the phone and said, listen, everybody, Marv's coming to church and he's coming because Mark said he would wear jeans. So do not give Mark any trouble this Sunday. He's wearing jeans. We're so excited that Marv is coming. And so all the other people decided they would wear jeans too. And I thought, oh. I thought, this is, you know, this is love. This is, this is reaching out to people. And I, and I'm preaching up there that Sunday. I don't remember what I was preaching on, but I was preaching my jeans and I looked out over the congregation. I just saw Marv start breaking down in tears. Like he was heaving in tears. Just the Holy Spirit was convicting him and, and talking to him and loving him. And I suddenly saw all these people in jeans walk over to Marv and comfort him. I tell you, that was the most, one of the most beautiful pictures I've seen in my ministry. We, um, have excuses to say why I can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. Please understand, there is no excuse. <laughs> you, If you want your life to have meaning and power in eternity, and then you want the Holy Spirit to be in control, filling you and working through you in your life. So I wonder how many of us, you know, are not pursuing to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we don't feel worthy like Marv did, or we need permission. Like someone say, it's okay. Like you come as you are. 
It's sad that, you know, people like Marv and, and, and many of us will, would rather draw excitement from horrible things in their life, which ruin their life, than have no excitement at all. If I, I'd rather, you know, have my life be horrible. At least I'm experiencing a little bit of instant quick highs in my life. Or they'd rather be filled with something that's damning them and harming them rather than be filled with nothing at all. It's probably better to have nothing at all than to be filled with things that will ruin your life. Um, we know we must be filled. That's why we do it. We, we know that we're created to be filled with something. And, and, you know, and again, don't be filled with that which creates drunkenness or, you know, whatever it is that we think that, that sustains us and helps us because only the Holy Spirit can do that. How do we be filled with the Holy Spirit then? How, how does that happen? What does it mean to keep on being, keep on being filled? Well, it's, it's a daily filling. And really, it's, that's why, you know, we read the word of God. I was 14 years old and I believed that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, the growth that has been happened in my life since then is tremendous. And I, if you, you know, in 20 years from now, I'll look back and go, the growth in my life the last 20 years has been tremendous. And that growth happens because the word of God, um, it, it just it keeps pointing out to me, helping me grow and find places that I maybe have, have, uh, that are, that I've allowed the Holy Spirit not to fill and to give control and surrender to him. The, you know, the Bible says in second Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. What is true? Don't you want that? Don't you want to understand the truth? It has the, it's useful to teach us and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I, I, I'm up for that. I'm okay with that. I would rather experience the truth. And even if it meant God pointing out, this isn't right. It says, it says it connects us. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So as much as I can every day, at the beginning of the day, I come and apply that word to God. I pray to God and listen to God because he is the one that's going to guide me and direct me. He is the one that's going to speak to me. That's, that's the voice I need to hear. That's the, the, the power that I need in this fragile body, the power at work in my life. Now, let me ask you a question. Here, 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 here's, we are a lot like cars. You understand that? Like we have to keep filling our cars with gas. If you notice that you keep driving, you don't fill it once and then it, cause it will go down to empty. And I wonder how many of you allow your car, uh, just to be half empty before you fill it. That, that's my wife. My wife will not go below half empty. She, um, well, I go and fill the car for her. Uh, she takes out the garbage, but I fill the cars with gas. So sometimes at 5.30 in the morning, or I'm out there filling the car with gas at the 7-Eleven because she won't drive unless it's like half, at least half a tank full. Some of you, it's like you let it, that get down to a quarter full, right? The, you're okay with that. Then you pull into the gas station. Some of you stop until the red light comes on and goes, listen, if you don't stop for gas now, you're going to be stuck on the side of the road. How many of you are like that? So really, our lives can be like cars. And the way that we can become empty is this. We, we don't start out with a full tank. I remember when I was a teenager, I, I think I've told this story before, but my sister surprised me yesterday and, and visited me, her and her husband, and uh, so it was good to see them. And when we were teenagers, it was my mom, my sister, and I. And um, my mother was a nurse at the hospital, and at 6.30 in the morning, she had to go to work. And so my sister and I, wanting the car for to go to school with, we would take turns taking her to work. Well, the night before, I was kind of just kind of start dating Glenda, and 
And um, I really wanted to go out and see Glenda that night. And she lived like 35 minutes away. And, and the, like, and my sister and I would never fill the car because we would not want someone else to use. Like we just want to put enough gas in to, you know, to, to see that what I wanted to go, where I wanted to go, would I could go, but not for the, the other person to, to use our gas to get there. And so I only had like at $2. <laughs> And I put two dollars of gas in this empty car, and I thought that you know back in that day, two dollars could probably get me out to Flushing or where Glenda lived, thirty-five minutes away. And I said to myself, if I can just get a kiss good night, I, if I run out of gas on the way home, it'll be worth it just to get a kiss from Glenda good night. And I wasn't sure if I was going to get home because. Uh, and I somehow I did, you know, late at night, I pulled in the laneway. I made the car didn't run out of gas. Well, the next morning, um, my mom needed to go to work. And it was my sister's turn to take her to work at 630 in the morning. And my sister, Anne, she decided, well, I'm just going to stay in my pajamas. She had her onesie on and just drive mom to work and drop her off at the hospital and quickly come home. Well, when you know it, when she got down the hospital, the car <laughs> ran out of gas because cheap me only would put $2 in of, of gas. And um, my mom said, you know, you got to figure this out. I got to go to work. There's lives depending on me. And so Anne was stuck down on the other side of town in a car with no gas and, and in her pajamas and a onesie. So she had to walk home. She put her to put the four ways on. And I think she left the lights on and she started to go home. And, you know, it's kind of embarrassing walking through town in her pajamas. And so what she how can I, what can I do? So she started jogging and just hoping everybody thought her onesie was a jogging suit. And she got home and she was not very happy because <laughs> I didn't put enough car gas in the car. Well, you know, I learned a lesson because I delivered pizzas for a living. Then I was in high school. I delivered pizzas. And um, I need the car that night for gas. And so, you know, mom said, you know, well, it's, it, you know, it's up to you. If you want the car, you got to get gas in it. And so I learned the hard lesson. I had, we didn't have a gas can. I had to walk to the store, which is not close, buy a gas can, walk over to a gas station, fill it with gas, walk all the way down to the hospital, put gas in the car, and only realized that the battery was dead because my sister left the lights on. And so I had to call a tow truck, come and charge us. And I tell you, I learned the lesson because if I was just be willing to start out with a full tank. If I was willing to put enough gas in the car, I would have saved me a lot of trouble and a lot of, a lot of frustration and money, but I didn't do it. I didn't start out with a full tank. And that's a lot like us that comes the Holy Spirit. We don't begin our day with a full tank. We don't come before the word of God. We don't listen from to him. We don't, we don't speak to him. And we're wondering why we feel so empty the rest of the day. The second one, and this is, I think, important for us too. The reason why uh, we're not full is because we're too busy to stop and refuel. Right. We we get so busy. Honestly, let's let's be honest that we don't stop. We are we do everything but stop and say, God, I just want to come to you. Uh, I just want to listen to you. We, we have life groups that we can just stop for an hour or, or a little bit more. Sometimes we just come together and put all the distractions aside. You know that Jesus did this every morning. The Bible says he went off to a quiet place to pray and hear from the father. And if he, the son of God, needed to do that, how much more do we need to do that in our lives? You know, we drive. We don't we don't drive to church and worship. And learn together because it's just we're too busy now, even on Sundays, to to set the time aside to come together and to worship or to do life groups or and 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 we're too busy. We wonder why we're so empty. And this is what Jesus says in Revelation three twenty. Look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you would hear my voice, you know, if you would stop, just slow down. And if you would hear my voice and you would open the door, take the time to open the door, I'm going to come in. And we're going to share a meal together. We're going to be friends. But we're too busy to stop and do that. The people with the least joy 
are often the ones who are the busiest people who do not stop to allow themselves to be refueled. I hope that you today will say this is a good message, not because it was entertaining. And honestly, it was there's so much to say. I'm not sure if I did a good job saying it, but but you recognize in God's hearing God's word, you recognize the change that has to happen in your life. You understand the importance of being filled because we live in a troubled world and certainly troubled times, and we are shaken, but we don't have to be knocked down if the Holy Spirit is living and filling us. We need the assurance that there's more to this life than what we see and what we know. I mean, that gives us great assurance and hope to know that the Holy Spirit is a down payment for a full payment someday. We're going to realize when we're with God in heaven. That encourages me. I want us to be able to say, as David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything. I have all that I need. Can you say that? So this is what we've heard. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves like fragile jars containing this great treasure. We're like these fragile clay jars. We get that. This And this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. So what happens? Because we have this great power and though we're fragile, we're pressed on every side by troubles, right? But we're not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Would you take two minutes today, two minutes, and just reflect on what the, this verse, reflect on what God has been saying to you today about being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have reasons or excuses, tell them about it. But honestly, don't allow excuses to prevent you from God controlling you because he wants the best for you. That's faith. Let's step out in faith today. Let's take two minutes. Let me pray for you. God, speak to us now because our lives are so are so important. So much that you sent Christ to die and take our place that we may live with you. But God, we need to, to not only have that salvation, we need to be filled with the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives because we are troubled, uh, living in a troubled time in a troubled world. And God, we need you to fill us and control us and guide us during these days. And Lord, we just need the, the hope of, of, of that salvation, that assurance that, that there's something better to come. And thank you for the down payment, your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that we not allow pride or, 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 or Convince ourselves we're not worthy. And, and, and though, though we're not, you would come and say, come as you are, come in your genes. I will meet you where you are. God, can we take, would you, would you speak to us in these two minutes, Lord? In Jesus name.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.